welcome to The Scrum. It's a podcast we do here at WGBH News focused on politics and sometimes political media. We usually go local. Sometimes we cast a wider net. Today we are definitely local, talking about the upcoming special election for the 1st Suffolk and Middlesex District. This is a state senate seat, which, if I have my map right, and that's a big if, includes all or part of Revere, Winthrop, East Boston, Chinatown, and Cambridge candidates who are with me in the studio. Let me know if I got that wrong or need to add anything. The seat is opening up in the state Senate because Anthony Petroselli, who's held it for a few years, is retiring, not retiring, resigning to become a lobbyist. Uh, There's a Democratic primary on April 12th. There is no Republican running. So whoever wins that primary will be the new state senator from that district. We have five of the seven candidates who are running with us in the WGBH studios. They are in no particular order, Lydia Edwards, Diana Huang, Jay Livingstone, Steve Morabito, and Paul Rogers. And <clears throat> please correct me if I got the pronunciation of your names wrong. Is that all right? That was pretty good. Yeah. good job. Okay. Adam, thank- you forgot half of Jay's district. Yeah, oh. you forgot. <laughs> oh, thank you. Downtown. No, no, that's, thank you. I, you're right, I did. I did. Uh, the North End, Bay Village, Huge. part of the South End, Gargantuan, Boston, Beacon Hill. Uh, say that again without me talking over you since I screwed it up <laughs> to begin with. The Bay Village, uh, parts of the South End. Um, downtown Boston, the North End, and Beacon Hill. That's uh, sort of an important addendum. Diana, thank you for prompting <laughs> prompting uh, Jay to hop in there. And forgive me for omitting those very important neighborhoods. Um, I want to do this. This is a little funky here. It's not really a debate. It's not really a forum. There are not enough microphones for all the candidates that we have with us. There are four microphones. We have five candidates. Um, by the way, the two who are not here are Joe... Uh, Tell me Corey, thank you. And Dan Rizzo, uh, they were not able to make it. Anything I so, can do to help out on him. Honestly. Say it again. Anything I can do to help out. <laughs> I will not call on you again for as long as I as long as I can, I promise. I'm going to throw three questions at the five of you who are here. I want you to answer as briefly as you can, but as uh, substantively as you can, in no particular order. If you're ready to answer, hop on in. If you don't have a microphone and you need to get one, gently shove aside whichever (laughs) rival you want uh, to take a place. We'll do three questions, and then I'm going to ask a fourth question, which hopefully will elicit some back and forth between all of you. But no microphone fist fights. No microphone fist fights, and then we'll call it a day. So without further ado, I'm hoping that each of you can tell me in about a minute, maybe two, what the one, and I really mean one (laughs) attribute is, that makes you the best person for this job? Uh, Jay Livingstone and its experience. I'm the only legislator in the race. I've been in the House of Representatives the last three years, and that experience, I think, would be invaluable uh, with the relationships that have developed uh, to be the state senator. And it it also put me in close uh, contact with Anthony Petroselli, who I work closely with, uh, because our districts overlapped. You like the job he did? Yeah. Yeah, he was great to work with, and uh, everything we, we worked on together, I think, became uh, came through. Okay, who's next? Um, it's Lydia, and I would say service. I currently am serving and uh, representing folks who oftentimes do not have a voice. I'm in legal services now. I will. I'm I'm still helping out while I'm during the campaign, and I'll be in legal services or hoping to serve the the first Suffolk and Middlesex as a senator. And so I think it's my dedication to serving those who need a voice for years. That's what distinguishes me. Diana Huang? Oh, beat you, Steve. Sorry. <laughs> it's like that game of... What, okay, yeah. That one in, game. In a, in a yeah. studio where you... And then I made a hand motion <laughs> towards hitting... Round. Okay, there you go. Um, I'd say bridge builder. Uh, the, the district is really diverse. And um, I think you need 
a state senator who can really build bridges across the entire district. And um, at this point in the campaign, um, it is a little bit of put up or shut up time. And so, you know, we're have the endorsement of Linda Dorsina Fori and Sonia Chang Diaz and Ayanna Presley now, but also the um, the support of traditional neighborhood leaders like Paul Travellini and um, the Gill family in Winthrop and um, are really pulling together a coalition that represents the entire district. And I think that's the kind of state center that um, this needs. Okay, so we got experience, service, bridge builder, and we have two more people. Stephen Morabito. I would say relatability and um, connection. Basically, I came from the supermarket industry. I worked with people on a daily pe basis. Majority of the people in this district are hard workers. They work a nine-to-five job. Some, some of them work retail. And I think finding a candidate you can relate with who knows what it's like to work v long hours, extensive hours, and not get paid at a top rate. So I think connecting with that candidate is a priority. Just briefly, what was your job in the supermarket industry? I, I was actually a manager at Johnny's Food Master Supermarkets. It's no longer around now, but currently I'm a realtor for Century 21 North Shore, so I also have a understanding of the, of the economic landscape in the district. Got it, Paul Rogers. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks Adam, for inviting us on here today. Um, so for, for me, I come from a business background, but I think the reality is I think uh, it's my experience out in the community that's been, uh, I think, a big driver for, for my campaign. Uh, you know, we're the seven of us candidates here. We're all going and visiting all different parts of the, of the, of the district. We're going and attending meetings and, and uh, talking with people. But the reality is for me, this is nothing new. I've been doing this long before my campaign even started. Uh, I've been, you know, I live in East Boston, and uh, I've been attending a lot, a lot of meetings, uh, promoting meetings, doing meetings, and getting people engaged on the issues for for a long time. This is really uh, nothing new for me, and so uh, getting that that level of experience with the community, interacting with people, I think is going to be a key asset for for me and uh, as far as uh, you know, working in in the Senate. All right, question number two. As you all know, Governor Charlie Baker, who is a Republican, is very, very popular with the public right now, and he seems to have a really good relationship with both House, uh, pardon me, with both House Speaker Bob DeLeo and Senate President Stan Rosenberg, both of whom obviously are Democrats. I'm wondering if those of you who are here think that Massachusetts Democrats are being too deferential to Governor Baker when it comes to letting him set the political agenda for the state. No. No, why not? <laughs> well, and again, if you could do the uh, ID yourself as you begin to speak, that's a great thing that you started off, by the way. Oh, uh, Jay Livingstone. And I don't think Governor Baker is setting the agenda. He's um, been uh, responding to uh, the legislative agenda as much as uh, making suggestions. He, he doesn't have a sweeping vision of the state, and he's pitching himself as a, as a manager that's going to fix individual problems. Um, and so he, he has been very differential to the legislature, I think, because of the overwhelming number of Democrats in the House and the Senate. And I think that's what's leading to the um, uh, cordial relations between the two. So He's taken a much different approach than um, prior Republican governors, from what I understand, where um, we've had to veto a lot of things. Although uh, at times uh, in the budget, for instance, last year, uh, I think we overrode about 50 of his line item vetoes which really did reflect a, a difference in priorities. And I think that's where the difference has really shown up the most. Is that how the rest of you see it? Stephen Morbido, I feel um, 
Charlie Baker, some of the moves that he made were correct, and they were made because of pop, high popular demand. Um, basically, the opiate addiction, yep. he took action because that hits home with everyone. So I, I commend him, applaud him on that. But I think there has to be checks and balances. You have a Democratic legislature right now, and you have a Republican um, go governor. So it makes sense that you're not gonna, he, they're not going to veto everything, but he's going to pass. It's whatever whatever bill he presents that is popular amongst the total population. It's going to everyone's going to see eye to eye. So, just so I'm clear, you think the balance of power when it comes to Democrats in the state house and Governor Baker is what it should be? I think that's what's working right now, having a majority Democratic uh, legislature right now. I think it's this Diana Huang. Um, I think. Whoever gets elected needs to be able to work with the governor. Um, I think that's really important um, because you have to be able to get things done um, and have good working relationships with, you know, the House and and the Senate and the governor, right, with members all across. But, I mean, I do am really concerned about the overriding rhetoric that we need to constantly be cutting, right? I think that we really need to be talking about raising revenues, all of the things that we see, the frustrations we're seeing um, out in the community when we're talking about Lewis Wharf Project and the cuts to the late night service and increase in fares. That's all about cutting programs. That's all about needing to, you know, shrink government because we don't have enough money. So let's talk about raising revenue. Uh, so that's that's what I'd like to see, um, more of a conversation about raising revenue. Lydia, I saw you nodding your head as Diana was talking. Yeah, I agree actually with uh, Diana and with Jay for, to a certain extent. I mean, I do agree that the there's a certain amount of deference that I actually think is detrimental to the democratic and progressive cause and that is where we're not pushing back enough when it comes to to the privatization of the t when it comes to certain things such as charter school caps and that kind of conversation so i think that that deference is def uh, detrimental to the progressive cause at the same time i also think that there is not i will give my credit to my colleagues in in the state house there is not a certain amount of deference when it comes to immigration inclusion, which I think the Baker administration has been steadfastly against uh, driver's license, for example, for immigrants. So um, to to their credit, there have been some very push, a lot of push in and, and back and forth with the with the governor on those things. Unfortunately, they were, again, detrimental to the progressive cause by not passing this, the Trust Act and by not um, getting driver's licenses. Paul Rogers, what do you say? Uh, Massachusetts certainly has a long history of of, uh, of being wise in terms of its uh, its balance of power. So it's proudly considers itself a blue state and and wisely so. But at the same time, it is uh, it has frequently not been shy to choose executive leadership from the Republican Party, and we're seeing that right now with Charlie Baker. Um, Charlie Baker certainly is a is a popular figure right now. But uh, the reality is, uh, I think there's some level, perhaps, of jealousy, but I don't see any problem with it. I, personally, I'm a member of the uh, of a no-labels organization, so I don't have any problem working with people from Republicans, Democrats, Independents, whoever it may be, to you find solutions. You think Democrats are jealous of the governor? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, let's face it. We've got a really, really popular, okay. uh, we've got a really popular Republican governor right now. Let's oh. not to be you know, jealous or, or fearful of because they're looking ahead towards the next election and trying to figure out who it is that we're going to find to... I do really like his new buzz cut. I'm not going to lie. There's some <laughs> jealousy there. Let me actually throw in, a, we'll call it question 2.5. Just go around the table. One word... Uh, would you have supported the RISE Act that the state Senate just passed that seeks to balance uh, the demand for more charter schools with calls for more public education funding? Let me start with you, Jay. 
The bill that was introduced at the end of last week? Yeah, the bill that just came out. The Senate bill. No. Senate bill. Okay, no. Uh, yes, I, I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction, but That's I don't think it's going to be... One word. Okay, yes <laughs> with an asterisk, Steve? No. Nope. Yes. All right, there we have it. Uh, finally, question three. Uh, I shouldn't say finally. On to question three. Making an impact as a first-term legislator is not easy, as you, Jay, uh, know from firsthand experience, but it is not impossible if you have energy and focus. I'm wondering what, for each of you, the one issue is that you would make your top priority if you're elected. And let's start at the other end of the table with Diana. Um, I spent my entire career being a strong um, advocate for women. So issues affecting women, that means uh, pay equity. It means... Um, it means um, guaranteed family leave. And it means, you know, women's access to reproductive health care is under attack in this country. It means being a strong advocate for that and a strong advocate for strengthening protections for victims of abuse. Um, I would say my one issue would be uh, the umbrella issue of income inequality. And you can look at affordable housing. You can look at public transportation, public education, which I think are the new civil rights issues that we have for a lot of folks. And also just in general, uh, people being able to make a living wage and how that is really not happening for a lot of folks in the district. I, I come from that, obviously, as a public interest attorney, and I see the impact of that on people every day. All right, Lydia Edwards, thank you. How about the three of you? Stephen Morabito, I would say it's very difficult because any one of us that says, okay, we only will focus on one issue, we, you, everyone, I hope listening to this knows that we're, we're here for you and we're going to um, do everything we can to address every issue. That being but said. With that being <laughs> said, having our I would here. have to say... Um, <laughs> I would have to say um, matters that affect the public health as well as, okay, matters that affect the matters public that health public and health. equal rights. Okay. Uh, can you throw out just one example of a matter that affects public health? Opiate addiction. Got it. I, I think it's overall pursuing a prog progressive agenda. When I was first elected to the House of Representatives, I uh, wanted to do certain things, focus on early education for uh, public transit, and I did those things, but it was also thing, other things came at you. I sense, and maybe this is the way I frame the question, I sense <laughs> issue creep here, an, an expanding uh, umbrella. When you say, okay, give me the most, the single most important item in your progressive agenda. Um, early education funding. It, it's the one place where we get the most bang for our, our government dollars. If it's amazing to me that the education a kid receives between two and six impacts the rate at which they go to college, the rate at which they graduate high school, the rate at which they commit crimes. By every metric, um, uh, they get better. And that is, is one place where I would have put a lot of energy in the House of Representatives and would continue to do so as a state. Okay, Jay Livingstone, thank you. Paul Rogers. So coming from a business background, it, my, my difference would be to go for economic issues, but I think the reality is I think people are, are fearful and concerned about uh, public education. So for, for me, finding solutions for funding in terms of Chapter 70-based uh, foundation budget founding, uh, resolving the issues there, I think that's going to be priority number one. Okay. I want to give each of you a chance to ask a question of one of your rivals in the race. I would love it if you asked a question of someone who is here so that they <laughs> can, can answer the question. But I know that a couple of the candidates are not. So if in some way, shape, or form you thought it was essential that you engage them, I'm open to that too. Uh, not going to call on anyone here. Not going to pick a side of the table. Hop in, whoever wants to do this first. Steve. Is this Diana? Hi, I'm Diana. I can see you. We've spent, we've spent many a days together, all of us. Um, 
What is your vision for Suffolk Downs? My vision right now for Suffolk Downs, it's a prime piece of real, real estate. So I think what we need to do is, first of all, this is America. We can't force anyone to sell their property. So we need to bring all the stakeholders at the table and be like, what's going on? Because as of right now, as long as they have live racing a specific amount of times a year, they're getting a check from the Gaming Commission. So um, I'm not sure if it's from the Gaming Commission, but they're getting money from the state. So as far as that, it's a prime piece of um, real estate that I think there's, I could see us doing something like station landing in Medford. I could see something like um, Rose Wharf. There's a lot. It's a prime piece of real estate. But once again, you can't force an owner to sell someone's property. All right, since you took the first question, do you want to ask the next one? I do. Um, Jay. Steve Morbino picks Jay. Jay. <laughs> what makes you think you're the best candidate for Wait this a minute. Job? No, no, no. You can't ask a question that was already asked. I, I mean, I think I kind of tried to do that with that. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I got I to ask you to come up with a different question because that's too close to take, a question. I was in the middle. It, there was a little <laughs> edge to it. There was a little twist. All right, but I won't to ask take it. a second. No, and, I won't no, you can reconfigure it. You can say, given your shocking disregard for X, Y, or Z, how can you possibly be the best candidate for that or something? Steve, you can take a moment. Okay, no, I got a question. Okay. What... Can you think of a decision you made that you regret in, as a state rep? Ooh, that oh, that's one I like. A good one. See? That one that's I like. a good one. He's like, I'm going to answer the first one. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the first one was much easier. Um, decision I regret. Uh, yeah, uh, this term. Um, in, in my first term, there was. Uh, welfare reform that was coming down that was basically introduced in response to some Boston Herald articles. Mm -hmm. And I had just been elected to the legislature, just joined the Progressive Caucus, and uh, went to the first Progressive Caucus meeting where it was the, uh, the, the strategy going forward was described. And it sounded like a disaster. And I started advocating for getting together, getting organized. We came up with a list of what we wanted out of the bill, what we didn't want out of the bill. We um, went to the speaker as a, as a caucus. I think there was 30 of us. And the final product was a surprise where it, it ended up um, the advocates who were saying that they thought they were going to have, have me vote against the bill were hugging me for a great result, and it ended up being a unanimous vote. At the beginning of this term, um, the same type of issue was happening with the solar industry. And um, I... Although I reached out to uh, environmentalists and um, some of the solar players and learned as much as I could, I didn't push hard enough to, to bring people together in the same type of coalition. And um, uh, we just had the final vote today. And although we lifted the solar cap, it, it wasn't the result I would have liked. And, um, and if we had come together much earlier and stronger like we did for welfare, and uh, so I regret not pushing my colleagues and the advocates to really come together in the same way. That worked for you, Steve. How would you have pushed your colleagues differently? Um, you you just you continually go up to them and say, "This is coming down the pike. Uh, you care about it. Your constituents care about it. Um, 
let's let's start talking about it and get them information. Um, and there's a, there's an interplay between the outside of the building and the inside of the building, and having people on the same page. The more people that can be brought together in both, because sometimes the advocates. Today I got emails from advocates on the solar bill. Uh, some saying vote against it. Uh, many more saying vote for it. And when the when the progressive community is united, it's much stronger and it's a much stronger voice in the in the legislature. All right, Jay Livingstone, you still have the conch. You get to ask the next <laughs> question. Sure. Paul, what's your vision for East Boston? Great question. So, so for me, uh, there's, uh, I think the, uh, as I mentioned before, I think the the biggest concern for folks in East Boston right now uh, revolves around a couple different issues. One is certainly public education uh, and the threat of, uh, of of losing funds for for what other, what have otherwise been great schools. Uh, and then the second issue, certainly for for them, is uh, on the housing and uh, development front. That's always uh, certainly a big issue. So we need to uh, look to find solutions for. Uh, for that, and that may mean uh, creating community land trusts. That may be creating, uh, working out as far as uh, transportation or transit-oriented development, uh, where we can buy, where we can get by uh, in terms of uh, running our master plan for the community, but also at the same time working towards creating additional affordable uh, housing options for the local folks here. A fine answer. Again, I'm feeling that sort of drift or the increase of breadth that we talked about earlier. So try to be narrow. Try to be myopically focused, you guys. Uh, we are almost done. Adam, you have my favorite, like, just to be able to watch your hand motions throughout this thing. It's, I, I, it's I really, am a nervous hand really, mover, no really. question. All right, Paul, I think you get the final question here. Okay. So that would be Lydia. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, here's a tough one. So uh, now you're obviously presenting yourself to be a state senate candidate here, obviously. So as are all of you, what? as we're all all Wait of us here. Second. So what would you view as your greatest potential defect as a state senator? Excessive commitment to excellence. I know. <laughs> I'm like I'm a perfectionist. I'm so sorry. I'm I, I just I work too hard and I I don't sleep enough. What do you? Uh, I, I have uh, a come sense. Come on, I'm not were... buying that. You know. So, so a great defect that, that could potentially negatively affect your your job. If you have a center. defect in mind, you could just. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. yeah. If you, yeah. you want to get to the point. Well, for <laughs> me, if you want to do A, B, C's, and D's. And well, for me, it's easy. Like you know, I've been really good about you know trying to be you know on time with a lot of events. But a lot of time, like I'll spend extra time with people just to make because sure that you're I get so concerned because I'm concerned so about them that makes me late the to the next. The next All right, you know, so you tend to show up late because yes. you care too much. What have you seen from Lydia that you wanted to talk about? Ooh, here? bring it. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's what I'm asking. So, what, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> let me put the mirror up here. <laughs> She doesn't sleep enough. You don't, don't sleep I don't enough. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm good with that. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say, Paul. Like, what do I think is my greatest oh, defect? Okay. Right. I'll, I'll give you. I have. I have a backup question for you. <laughs> okay. I have a backup question, <laughs> and I think it'll okay. be a good one. So, okay. <laughs> okay. If you were not to vote for yourself on election day, oh, who would you vote for? Ooh, that's ooh, a good one. Ooh, um, who would I vote for? Oh, my gosh. I would probably write in Michelle Obama. Again, avoiding the question avoiding and the not question. giving the avoiding answer that you want. Defect, no, no, it's it's uh, not. No, my defect is certainly not avoiding good questions. Uh, it's uh, it's avoiding. Uh, <laughs> it's getting to the point when they matter. Guys, we have actually run through everything I wanted to ask you. I know you all have campaigning to do. You're coming down the home stretch of this race, so I want to let you go. But I also want to give each of you one chance. If there's, you know. 
We went fast here. You guys did a terrific job doing exactly what I asked you to. Except is me, there, because you there... didn't let me ask a question to anyone. Wait, did I okay. not? No, you didn't. Oh, my gosh, that's Lydia, right. I'm so sorry. Ask, right? No, 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 no. First, okay. first okay. I, no, no, I go on. basically Adam, wrote leave me out. That's Boston. okay. I'm just here. No, 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 no. I understand. I'm just doing my best. Yeah, I'm just here. First off, I want to sincerely apologize for not giving you a chance to ask the final question. I don't know how I screwed it up, and I would love to have you ask a great question here to wrap up that segment of our conversation. Unless Paul took your defect question. Then, <laughs> then, then I'm yeah, sorry. I was going to ask the then defect question. Right? Um, so actually, you know, Paul, I'm going to ask you the question. Um, you're, you taught yourself as a business owner and you've in your years of having uh, business in East Boston. So would you tell me about, I think, um, your favorite or your what tax policies you would push for to encourage small businesses in East Boston? Sure. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, on, on the tax side of policies, I am, <laughs> I think the, 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 the thing that we've been looking for and we've talked about a lot is certainly the issue of this uh, million, millionaire tax policy that's coming up. And I think that we need to look at that, but we also need to tread carefully on that front because we want to make sure that it has the intended effect. So to get revenue to, to support small businesses. Is the question. Right. But see, that's mm -hmm. the problem with taxing is that you, you need to make sure that it doesn't have any negative effects as well. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that, uh, that on the on the business front is that the hospitality industry is looking go. for uh, for taxes to support that as well. And I think that would be a positive tax that, that, that they have actually been seeking out, a lot of them certainly, to, to make sure that they are getting the revenues needed to support the tourism industry here in Massachusetts. I think that would be uh, a pro, you know, positive tax on, on uh, on tourism, I think that's something that is potentially sustainable without having any minimal negative uh, consequences for for local businesses. In fact, mostly positive. So, Lydia, you were nodding as Paul talked, but I couldn't tell if it was an ironic nod or a serious <laughs> nod. I do were not. You... First of all, on the record, I do not on nod ironically. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to do that. Wait, hold on. Isn't this whole conversation off the record? No, no. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, what was the question? Did you 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 were buying what he was saying? You didn't want to. I, I couldn't tell if you were skeptical or not. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I just if he's a small business owner, I wanted you know concrete mm -hmm. responses about what taxes that impact small businesses that would encourage growth. Did you get it? Um, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say we were on the conversation. Maybe the time cut us off. Maybe you're you're on the way. I want to thank you all, Jay Livingstone, Paul Rogers, Steve Morabito, Lydia Edwards, and Diana Huang. Good luck to all of you down the home stretch. And thank, thank you. you for taking time out of what I know is uh, an insanely busy schedule to come Crazy. in here and, uh, and talk with us. Yeah. And that is going to do it for this episode of The Scrum. As always, you can find our past episodes online at blogs.wgbh.org slash scrum. You can also find us on iTunes or via the various podcatchers that are kicking around out there. Our producer today was Jason Tresky. Our engineer was John Parker. I'm Adam Riley, and the Scrum is a production of WGBH News. Don't suppose